Hello, and welcome to We Bought a Mic, a pop culture podcast with your weekly ketchup. I'm Ernest. I am possibly undiagnosed COVID patient number one million uh, nine hundred forty six thousand and two in the U.S. Uh, Hunter and I'm Drew. Is it because of the the protests you got yeah. you got infected? Yeah, I'm completely I'm I'm diagnosed free, but just in case, you know, I'm just I don't don't drink after me. Do you feel oh, okay? Man. You feel a little scraggly? Like, you look yellow. I'm a little I, well. That is the lighting in my house. Um, I just meant like cowardly. You yeah, look like a I, coward. Did you I'm say really, one really one million four hundred? We're about to no, hit we'll two million million. nine hundred. One million nine hundred. Oh, okay, okay, good, good. I thought you were about I, to one million nine hundred forty-six thousand and two. We might yeah. be past the nine forty-six to be honest. Oh my god! Point. If you what if you are the two millionth COVID diagnosis? I'm pretty you, sure you win like a free backpack or something <laughs> if if you hit that number. Yeah, you <laughs> you get you a win. pack. A pack on the back by Trump. You get a free uh, two weeks to self-quarantine yourself. Oh, well, I think, uh, you know, that shouldn't be the the worst thing in the world right now. As long as you make it through, Hunter, the listeners will be will be happy. You know, just kick back, relax, play some some switch, some Fortnite, drink up some claws. Just be glad that you're not uh in the um the more kind of endangered population of of dying from the virus. So I do want to be clear. I do want to be clear. If you do have corona, don't drink alcohol. Um that's that's not good. That's not gonna help your recovery at all. Do Um, drink corona though. They are saying that that does a hundred percent reverse the um effects and this podcast is brought to you by corona beer because they have completely stooped so low that this is all they can afford to sponsor it's they're scraping the bottom of the barrel nobody else will take them they gave us seven million dollars to say this one thing just now and then never again um so thanks corona and thank you to all of our anchor.fm uh, donors as well, who we hold in equal esteem, if not maybe even higher than Corona beer. Uh, Definitely but, higher. Yeah, sure. I don't know. I, I Have we hit the 7 million mark from all of our donors combined yet, or are we still in like the Oh, six we're millions? so close. We're in the upper we're, 6 millions. Yeah, yeah we're, we're about to get there. But if you become the person who gives us, who makes us reach that $7 million total, we won't tell you exactly how much you have to give to reach $7 million, but if you do, we will give you a We Bought a Mic sticker that I will make myself from scratch. That's so nice of you. And he'll yeah, sneeze see. on it with yeah. the virus and it would yes. be like oh my god i got corona from hunter mobley mm. oh i love it i i went out to the store and like i had to leave people were chasing me around like oh my god breathe on me please it's oh the my guy god, from is... we bought a mic i like i was checking out and they're like how are you today and i said like oh i'm good and they're like oh my god are you are you hunter from the we bought a mic podcast Your oh voice. my god yeah because they don't know what i look like it's just right. all based on the voice yeah, we don't release these Zoom calls. Hashtag release the Wabam Zoom call. It's trending on Twitter right now. It's the hot new thing that everybody's talking about. Um, yes. Much like HBO Max two and a half years ago. What uh, What is time? Is it Was it days? So was it I, months? How, I lo- mean, how long has HBO Max been out? Talk about rough timing for the release of some- somehow HBO Max did even worse than Quibi with their release time. They were the talk of the town for like 12 hours <laughs> <laughs> and then they were just gone. And it's unfortunate because there's so much shit, especially for movie people on HBO Max and for TV stuff. It's like they have HBO shows. They have friends. But for the movies, their movie catalog is insane. So much of the Criterion channel is on there. Of course, Studio Ghibli, um, just a ton of great uh, Turner Classic movies as well, as far as just like going back in the mind for just old, great cinema. I think 
I think it's definitely better than Quibi. Quibi was like a fucking disaster. They're already like about yeah, to go out of business. It's it's really wild that how you just said was as if it's like already a dead medium, you know, because it fucking is. Yeah. <laughs> like they, um, they beefed it so hard and they're they're like, you know, PRY is very smartly blaming it on coronavirus when really there was no way in hell it was going to succeed no matter what because it's fucking stupid. So obviously you guys haven't caught up on the latest uh, keeping up with Kirby Jenner. Um, because then you'd know that it's, it's oh, popping right now. So who is that person? <laughs> hey, never, Reno, you know what? Never mind. Never Reno, mind. Never Reno 911 no, no, is no. back. Reno 911 is back. That, well, there are things on Quibi that I am interested in. I just don't, I don't want to watch it on my phone. I don't like <laughs> watching stuff on my phone. I truly hate it. Like I don't have that big of a screen. I have a Moto Razor. Um, <laughs> the only thing I like watching on my phone is a good game of snake and buddy, yes. I'm playing it. And you black know what I mean? white. You, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, it's oh. I, I call it grayscale, right? Because that, that's what my um, Alltel dealer described what if, it as. What if I told you there's an episode of Punked with Lil Nas X? Okay, two things that seem like they were dead like a hundred years ago, Punked and Lil Nas X. Hold hey, on, let man. me text my Zoomer group chat. <laughs> Lil Nas is cool. He's a, no, no, he's guy. a cool guy. He's a cool guy, but I. Ugh, Jesus. He got attacked by Fox News. They like <laughs> they put his face on the screen and and they're like, "This man is Antifa. <laughs> Take him down." This is when when Trump called uh, Antifa a terrorist organization. He was just talking about Lil Nas X. He was just calling Lil Nas X just a terrorist. Well, well, Fox News was like scrambling. They were like, they're like, we need to blast all of like liberal Hollywood. For being Antifa, and then Lil Nas X got roped into it, and he was like, "Yo, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm fucking. I'm the guy from Old Town Road. I'm not liberal Hollywood." <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway, um, it's funny that you compared HBO Max to Quibi, because now that I'm looking at both of their brandings uh, on their websites they look almost identical big purple energy yeah the it's pretty much the exact same shade of purple <laughs> like I, it, it's probably imperceptible and it, it kind of looks like the same font too what the hell is going on what is this shit so are weird. you are you just sort of implicating that there's a general conspiracy <laughs> but you don't really know what it is look i'm <laughs> All I'm saying is that HBO Max is shutting down Quibi. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying why or who or when or or how. Where else could you get content like Lucy in the Sky, like um, Ready or Not, like Suicide Squad? You got to go to HBO Max for that kind of stuff. Is Suicide Squad seriously on? Yeah, they have the whole DC. They so their thing is oh, weird yeah, is. because I don't know if you guys uh, still remember this, but DC has their own streaming site. Um, yeah, I, I was on it for a little bit and it's it's pretty cool. They have comic books on there. You can you can read some comic books and uh it actually has a better DC selection than HBO Max. Oh, well, and, I mean, there's more stuff there for sure, because they have the TV shows where yeah, Batman, the, the only one that's on the only TV show that's on HBO Max is Doom Patrol, I think, because there's a very high budget behind Doom Patrol. And so they're just trying to make some money back. Um, it, I think that they uh, well, they do have like Batwoman and some stuff like that, but nothing that's really. What, so steel? the the main thing I wanted to talk about with HBO Max is how confusing and unclear the rollout of it was, because the the selection, like you said, is really good. You know, all of the it's classic, great. It's, it's yeah, it's terrific. The classic movies and shit like that. It's really really good. But up until the the release of it, I and many other people didn't even know if we were going to have HBO max and like how it was going to be accessed. We only found out the day of that. The HBO now app automatically updated and switched over to HBO max the day of, they didn't really make that clear in the lead up to it. HBO generally has a very bizarre web presence. Um, 
their entire digital presence is like it needs an update because they have money to throw around and they're making so many good calls. But their app has always been one of the buggiest streaming apps. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's not getting no better. And then, yeah, this HBO Max, I had no clue if I had it until I like did like 10 minutes of, of digging. Yeah, <laughs> you have to like you have to like really try and research what see what I had to do is. I have HBO through Amazon as like an add-on to Amazon Prime. And that method of having HBO is one of the methods that does not get you HBO Max. There's a bunch of other ways. Like if you pay for HBO through Google, through Apple TV, through Hulu, there's all these partnerships that they were able to set up where you get to log in to HBO Max through these other services. Amazon does not have that deal. So I was trying to figure out like, okay, so do I just sign up for HBO Max directly? Maybe I switch over to Hulu. Then I found out that through my AT&T phone plan, I get free HBO Max. But it wasn't just like, okay, here you go. It was like I had to jump through so many hoops to claim that free HBO Max. It, they made it so difficult. It was so buggy. And I had to like talk to like a couple different customer service people. And it was a whole thing. But eventually I was able to get in. It wasn't easy. I, I mean, um, I mean, uh, HBO Max, HBO Now, HBO Go. Uh, how about you change HBO to stand for a uh, how about one? <laughs> <laughs> I wish right. I could I wish I could do localized <laughs> reverb on that like I was trying to the other episode and failing. One, 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 one. Thank you. One. Um, so I, I think the biggest takeaway from this is that HBO had always positioned themselves as like the adult one one of the most adult centered places for quality television. And now with this Max version, it's clearly like opening up the gates to kid-friendly programming. It's That's really the biggest thing. You've got Cartoon Network, Crunchyroll, Looney Tunes, Sesame Street, the DC stuff, and the biggest, biggest, biggest deal, the reason why I think is the reason to get HBO Max is the entire Studio Ghibli collection um, in full HD, just gorgeous gorgeous uh the most beautiful animation you will ever see in your life um i can't wait to dive into all of these because i haven't seen a lot of them i've only seen spirited away princess mononoke um and now my neighbor totoro i just watched them for the first time it was the first one i i watched oh, yeah. on max yeah that's that's lovely it, yeah they've you know they've kind of have like uh many claws to their, their to their company and so it's fun to see things sorted out uh by like which affiliate uh owns the property like there's just a, there's a tcm like classic section that like very impressive uh, to mm -hmm. look at yeah everything that they, they you know they got 2001 apocalypse now going back farther like casablanca and citizen kane Etc. Um, there, some of their collections are very, very incomplete. Like their Adult Swim collection is pretty rough to say the least. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it also has uh, every you know HBO proper, mm. which uh, like I'm sure we're going to be eventually reviewing Michaela Cole's new show, um, which is available to watch just straight up on here. Um, which show so is that? What is it called, man? What am Michaela, I supposed to? Michaela. What? Michaela Cole, she was in uh, Black Mirror. She's very, very good British actress. Come on. Why do you want me to, like, know what I'm talking about? <laughs> oh, oh, I know what you're talking about. Um, is, is it called Thank I you. May Destroy You? I May Destroy You. That is correct, ah. Ernest. Oh, yeah, I did hear about this. This looks interesting. Yeah, I'm going I'm going to give that a watch. Apparently, the, the pilot was very, very promising. Yeah, uh, well, in terms of, like, HBO Max originals... It's there's pretty much nothing. There's something the Anna Kendrick show. Mm -hmm. Um what's it called? Love Life. Yeah. That's kind of the only thing that they that they're that they have. Uh there's the Elmo, the not too late show. Something for yeah. the kids. And there's a new Looney Tunes as well, with 
Bugs Bunny with yellow hands. What's that about? Why? What? Why did they give him yellow gloves? <laughs> I don't what? know. Th- th- that might that might play into like the plot or something. That doesn't have any. So that can't weird. have any reasoning behind it. I mean, if you have if you have kids, you know, right into the show, maybe a nine year old could explain to us why Bugs Bunny has <laughs> yellow hands now. I so I do have one thing that is very like not a big deal at all, but it's always bothered me with uh, HBO setup is that their search feature is horrendous. Like, for example, I knew that they had a couple Lynch films on there. So I like just look went on their search bar and just typed in David Lynch. So the first couple things we get are Lynch things. You have Eraserhead on here. You have Dune. You have Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. Also on this list, you have Veep and you have Westworld. Tell me what David Lynch's involvement is with either of those shows and why they show up on the search bar. Because they're both twisted. I Yeah. <laughs> like it just but that's always been a thing with HBO that kind of bothers me. That's easier to just kind of go through the catalog and look at stuff. Um, I was going to say with the Turner Classic Movies having that on there, I I'm of course, I'm on a Criterion channel as well as HBO Max now. And I think that if you have the means to do both, then I would say do both just because uh, Criterion channel has more of a selection. They also have all the director's commentaries and um, kind of chats with different uh, filmmakers and stuff talking about why they love different pieces where there aren't really any of those featurettes or anything on uh, HBO Max's uh, selection, but they do have like so many of like, what are the iconic films? Like we mentioned Casablanca to like old musicals that are like really revolutionary, like American Paris, little shop of horrors. Um, and then even a bunch of documentaries that are either on the criterion channel or just kind of classics like a uh, Beatles hard days night is on here. Um, so, yeah, so I, I and then, of course, some cult classics too, like The Blob, Carnival of Souls, stuff like that. That's more in the classic cult classic vein. It's got to be the most impressive selection of movies of any uh, like new st- streaming service, even more impressive than Disney Plus, because Disney Plus just has that fat library of like old Disney movies that nobody's heard of. Uh, like, for example, I watched Bedknobs and Broomsticks this week on on Disney Plus. Um, but this just has like more of a of a certified like classic catalog that's very, very diverse. It's not just a bunch of old shit that only movie fans will know. It's it's a great variety. I'm really, really happy with with it. And uh, I can't wait to to watch a bunch of this stuff. I mean, uh, you can tune into anything from the abyss to, um, Harry <laughs> Potter the to the Meg <laughs> Jonah Hex, uh, the amazing world of gumball. Uh, we got 2018's the predator. Uh, yeah. we got Fuck me, man. <laughs> both happy feet. There's 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 so much. Shout a out lot to of, Harry Harry Big Stan, friend of the pod. Harry is a huge stand of Happy Feet too. Yeah, which I haven't seen, but it is a a Miller joint, a George Miller joint. We're so gonna we're gonna have to get on that. We'll give point. that a look. I mean, it's HBO. There's there's tons and tons of shit to check out, and they obtained rights to like huge things like Fresh Prince and like Friends. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this I'm is, sure this that, big. that the Friends poll is gonna be pretty big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, um, and they have Big Bang Theory too. Oh, so, God. So yeah, saying, like, uh, uh, the, the locals are going to be on here if they can figure out how the fuck to do it. Yeah. The the last thing I wanted to say is like just back to reiterate that point about like the DC and the Adult Swim like holes that it has. I hope that they are able to fill in some of those gaps because it would be nice, you know, because they have a if, – if I click a tab that says DC and they don't have – any of the Nolan uh, Batman movies. They don't have any Superman movies. Uh, they don't have Batman, the animated series. Um, it, it just feels a little bit lacking if, if they're going to tout like a whole DC banner type of thing. Um, and Nolan, like all of his movies have been 
with Warner Brothers. So it would make sense for all of them to be here. You know, I want to I want to pop in a little prestige, you know, I want to pop in a little uh, little memento. I know that you can find those little little Dark Knight Rises. Um, yeah, yeah. I we did go past uh, Studio Ghibli, and uh, uh, I know I'm sure that you have more thoughts on Totoro, but I am yeah. so happy that's on there because, like six months a year ago, Ghibli just wasn't streaming anywhere. If you wanted to watch a Ghibli movie, you had to go out to Best Buy, you had to go out to wherever and buy the Blu-ray for it. I remember growing up as a kid, you had to go to specialty shops or order them online if you wanted to get Ghibli. They weren't even like sold in Best Buys. So it's awesome that they're all on here. I've seen most of them. Some of them I haven't seen in many years. I think the only uh, Miyazaki films I need to see are Nausicaa and uh, The Wind Rises. Uh, like his first and his last uh, Ghibli film. But um, just to go back and see like Castle in the Sky, I saw as a kid, but I don't really remember much about it. Oh, I've seen a lot of that one. Um, that was the first one that my grandma got. And then I made her go get me more. Yeah, because I was her good boy. But it, I mean, it is like you watch these Ghibli movies like me and Ernest were talking about. We've been watching Avatar and like the season one finale is the most Princess Mononoke shit that I've ever seen in my life that like you yeah. never would have realized it until you like see these movies and you realize like, oh, like Toy Story and Pixar just trying to like recreate that same feeling that these Miyazaki movies did 10 years prior. Yeah, so I'll, I'll go ahead and get into uh, Totoro right now. So my neighbor Totoro watched it for the first time this week. 1988, guys. This movie does not look or feel as old as it is. It, it just has like this timelessness to it. And it's so short. It's less than an hour and a half. Um, and I, I was really like captivated by it because... It, you know, like we watch a lot of movies and shit and you get into this flow <laughs> where like you you can expect the turns and the ebbs and flows of how a story is going to go. And this movie like doesn't really have a, a like a plot to it at all or like a much of a protagonist or a antagonist or anything like that. I mean, you follow these two little girls who encounter Totoro, who is this kind of forest spirit um and some things happen but there's no big sort of plot driven conflict the biggest conflict is that their mom is in the hospital and they're worried about about her so it, it that kind of really caught me by surprise that a movie could be so captivating and so like immersive without really having much of a story at all it's just kind of this portrait of childhood innocence and the beauty of being a kid and, and of seeing all of the, the, the beauty around you in the world and in nature, it's, it's, and it's still managed to be a little scary, a little eerie. There's like this one character that's like a bus. That's the like cat, cat bus, cat it's, bus. <laughs> it's like the most fucking terrifying shit I've seen in my life. Um, it, it would it would give me like nightmares forever if I saw that shit in real life. Um, and just Miyazaki's animation is so tough to describe how perfect it is. You just have to see it. And in this movie, it's like every single moment, every frame, every shot, everything is just like put that on a on a wall. Just mm -hmm. it's a. And many people have, painting. in fact, yeah, yeah. it's it's but, unbelievable. Like the the way he draws, like the blades of grass moving in the wind, um, or the way the rain falls. It's oh, it is magnificent, man. I loved it. Also, so good. So I think because uh, Miyazaki's films, I mean, of course, they're like all animated, but they either fall into the category usually of like being something that's more childhood based something like Ponyo or um 
or even like uh, Kiki's Delivery Service or something that's very serious and adult driven, like Princess Mononoke, Porco Rosso, stuff like that. And I think that Totoro and Spirited Away are the two movies that kind of fall right in the middle because there is like some sense of drama in this movie. There's no real antagonist, but there is like a mother who's in the hospital and like there are some more heavier themes to this movie. Um, Spirited Away is probably the best right dead center of both those movies, but I'd love to do a whole Ghibli discussion on this podcast one day, like a top five or something, because there's just every one of these movies has at least something to them that you have never seen before in a film. Yeah. And, and he is able to really tap into what makes animation so special, which is showing you things that could never be realized in live action that are only possible via animation. And in my opinion, I think um, Spirited Away is the one that kind of leans into that the most. But this one is in its own right, just as imaginative and just, you know, fully transportive into this other sort of reality. I I, I was so in love with it. There's one moment in particular that kind of pretty much brought me to tears where they plant these seeds in the ground and they do this dance around them and it just grows into this massive tree. And that just, I was just so taken aback by that. I was like, oh my God, just this, this tiny little moment in this movie just encapsulated so many feelings and and emotions. And I, I loved it, loved it so much. It's my neighbor Totoro, HBO Max, check it out. Um, Next thing, real quick, we went kind of long on HBO, so I won't go too long. But have you guys? That just doesn't sound like us going long on something (laughs) that I don't think that's true. Have you guys ever seen the Last Action Hero, the John Tierman movie? No, wasn't it written by Shane Black? He did. He doesn't have uh, like sole writing credit on it, um, but he did. Yes, he did work on the screenplay. Um, John McTiernan the, is the director who famously did Die Hard, um, but he also worked on Die Hard with a Vengeance, Predator, Hunt for Red October, and a bunch of other things. But um, this movie, I've been wanting to see it for a while, and I'm in a little bit of my um, Arnold Schwarzenegger side quest while at some point I finish my James Cameron watch through. Um, hey, <laughs> Titanic is on HBO Max, so um, if I can carve out three plus hours one day, I might get around to it. Uh, but this movie, it just kind of struck me as like, it's it's 1993, so it's it's after Airplane, but it's before like you know we're, the world we live in now with like Community and Rick and Morty and all this super mm-hmm. meta humor stuff, and it just struck me as like this kind of um, early um, indicator of the type of like super self-aware, self-reflexive type of storytelling that we would see. if you will. Yeah, that we would see in the 21st century where essentially Arnold Schwarzenegger plays this very uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger-esque action hero who is taken into our reality um, and all sorts of hijinks ensue. So... Um, I, I just saw it as a sort of kind of case study of where Arnold was at in his career. It came out a year after T2. Um, and, you know, it was kind of in that that period right after he was like king of the world, major peak, but way before he was kind of washed out and going into becoming the governor um, but it, but in that sweet spot where he was able to make this movie that referenced so much of his own career and so much of uh, Mac Tiernan's own career and even Shane Black's own career and just like the 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 height of the '80s action hero type of movies. Yeah, uh, that's fun. Yeah, so it's I mean I wouldn't call it like essential viewing or anything like that. Um, I think the movie gets a little bit too silly and ridiculous for its own good, but it's not like, it's not like it's bad. Like it's still a good movie. It's still really fun. And Charles dance Tywin Lannister himself 
is the bad guy in this and he is hamming it up. He is chewing it. It is great. Um, He's chewing that ham. Yeah. So if, if you're interested, uh, check it out. It's it's a fun time. It's a fun movie. Lots of like super, super meta gags and humor. Um, Danny DeVito plays an animated uh, tiger cop guy. Um, Ian McKellen plays the Grim Reaper himself. So there's... <laughs> There's tons of crazy shit like that. There's a bunch. If you just silly, if you just look at the cast list, there's like a bunch of other random people in it, like uh, Jim Belushi, Chevy Chase. Um, oh hey, yeah. MC Hammer, Sharon Stone, Damon Wayans. Like it's just kind of packed with uh, cameos and and references. So check it out, Last Action Hero. I will. Report back from my Cameron slash Schwarzenegger watch through uh, next time. So. What's the movie called where they're brothers? Is it called Brothers? Twins. 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 Yeah. Um, him and DeVito. Uh, yeah. Now that's that's a goofy time. Right <laughs> yeah, because one's big guy, the other's small guy. <laughs> yeah. And it's oh, it's so funny. It's How do funny. those guys come out of the same <laughs> sniz? I don't get it. I don't get it. He's so short that he's so tall. I, oh, it's so how have funny. we not had like a remake of Twins with like Kevin Hart and The Rock yet? Like that's just oh. it's just waiting to be made. Like, come on, the, Hunter. Mm. That is genuinely a great like money wise. That is an quite if that an idea. happens, then I do want a check because my God, <laughs> that the bills would just print themselves. Isn't that just Jumanji? But it's it's more it's it's already it's a known IP. Us kids, we grow up on the twins universe. Yeah, <laughs> everyone loves <laughs> twins and is definitely familiar yes. with it. And not just Hunter, the poster. You are, you are going places in this world. I know. My friend. Just go ahead I'm and so get me a job now. Netflix call up. <laughs> how about how about they they put in? Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, De- put Denzel in there. <laughs> call it triplets. Triplets. Um, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I Maybe just, no. It, instead of Denzel, we put in Danny DeVito. <laughs> now we're talking. Yeah, there okay. we go. That's that is the sequel right there. So speaking of getting a job as a Netflix exec, um, I uh, so this week uh, the in amid all of the anti-racism protests that were happening, the help became the most watched view on Netflix. Um, You're doing it wrong people. I did not watch the help because by all accounts, the help is like not a great movie and not a great look for black people. It's also made by a white dude. Um, So instead, uh, wait, wait, can I, can I, can I just, just real quick. Have you seen the help? No, no, no. Uh, according to Wikipedia, there is a triplets in the works with Eddie Murphy. <laughs> no, there's not. Yes. Yo, Eddie, no, Eddie Murphy's comeback tour, man. Let's go. According to the Hollywood Reporter. Is he triplets. playing all three of them? Clump style? <laughs> no, it's, it, it's Schwarzenegger and DeVito are, are slated to return. What the okay? So the the article that I'm seeing about it is from December of 2018, and it's going to be directed by Ivan Reitman. Yeah. Uh, well, he did the first one. He did the original Twins. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because this is the father. This is mm-hmm. the old Reitman. That is fascinating to me, and I really, really hope it doesn't. Is this? Happen. Ha- yeah. December 2018 was this article. So I'm gonna guess if nothing new I has mean, come know, out about it yet, then it could just be in production hell and never happen. No, this is this is the post COVID film that we need right now. We need triplets. <laughs> damn it. This will. Yeah, this will be what reunites yeah, us. Not Tenet. Get the fuck out of here, Tenet. This is what we need to open up theaters with. All right, you can, <laughs> you can continue. So mine isn't nearly as like serious or going to I save the to world. I needed to make sure the listeners knew. In the same way that triplets <laughs> Ernie, <it's> okay. will. <laughs> so The Help is true, is the number one movie on Netflix right now. Um, don't watch The Help. Instead, watch a movie about black people made by a black person um, like I did. 
Um, I watched 2017's I Am Not Your Negro today or a couple days ago. Um, it's on Amazon Prime right now. It is uh, about it's takes the premise is James Baldwin was planning on writing a book about the assassination of his three friends, Medgar Evers, Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. And he never actually finished that book before. Whenever he died, there was like 30 pages written. So um, Raul Peck is the director and he tries to envision what that would have looked like uh, had it ever been completed um, and kind of just goes through their stories beginning very early on along with James Baldwin himself and kind of how he became like an ambassador for civil rights. And a lot of people like white people thought of him as like the safe choice because they're like, Oh, well he's not, he's not part of this, like the black Islams or anything like that. Like we can trust this guy. But then he also had his own scrutiny where he faced like all these people calling him like a homosexual and all this kind of, horrible hateful speech uh about him but i think this is a really really compelling and strong documentary um ernest you've seen this before right yeah i saw it when it came yeah out i just i don't know theaters. why it just kind of slipped through the cracks i think it came out 2016 actually now i'm looking at it correctly it came out 2016 and then was widely released in 2017 um but really it's I will say I don't think that it is necessarily a perfect documentary um, because I had some issues it's with more some, of an exercise. Yeah, it's, it's like an exercise to complete his. Exactly. His it's not work. I wouldn't call it like one of the best documentaries that I've ever seen uh, just because the filmmaking is like it's pretty good, but it's more so it's one of those things where it's just the subject matter itself is just kind of carrying everything. And that's what you were compelled by. And it was I mean, there's some parts that are really tough watch right now. It's not necessarily the easiest thing to watch, given the social climate that we are in right now. But I do think that that doesn't make it any less effective. If anything, it makes it more potent now that you see these uh, protests and these rallies and then the counter rallies. And it's uh, very reminiscent to what's happening right now in society. Um like I said, it is on Amazon Prime right now, so I do highly, highly recommend it. Um, I, I I can't really spoil anything about it because it's history, but kind of it's it's really tragic when the assassination of these three individuals did happen. I mean, of course it is anyways, but you really see through this documentary how they were killed like right whenever the movements were starting to pick up steam and right whenever they were starting to get more followers from people outside of what would be their typical base. And that kind of put a lid on the civil rights movement. Things didn't, they got, they got to a certain level and then things just kind of stopped. Um, and of course people have still been fighting for the last 40 years to get beyond that point. And Incremental progress isn't always I mean, it's it's progress, but it's not it's not enough. It's never going to be enough. James Baldwin is also just one of the best sort of writers, period. Oh, yeah. Ever. Without a doubt. You know, aside from being a, a representative of the of the civil rights movement and of black um, the black experience, it's he was just so good with words, like incredible. He wrote the if Beale Street could mm -hmm. talk novel that the film was based on um, and a bunch of other things like where the heart is and uh, go tell it on the mountain. Um, the movie's also on Hoopla and Canopy, oh. um, which are two library services um, if you don't have Amazon Prime. And I'll also say that if you haven't heard, a bunch of studios have made some uh, kind of black social justice type films available for free. So Ava DuVernay's Selma is available to stream and Just Mercy um, is also available to stream for free. So it's if you've been looking to kind of watch like the the black cinema catalog that you've been putting off, some of these are available for free. I actually just made a list on Letterboxd called Black Cinema for me to sort of track like what movies I can I can um, kind of prioritize to watch 
from that canon right now if I want to dive into. Obviously, like Connor just said, some of these are kind of tough to watch given how uh, horrible things are right now with, you know, police being so fucking brutal and, and people marching. But um, check out my, my list on Letterboxd if you want to take a look at it. I've seen a little over half of the movies on my list, um, but I just wanted to kind of denote which ones I, I still need to check out, like Boys in the Hood, um, 13th, the documentary, Straight out of Compton, um, Juice, the Tupac film. That's a good movie. I've seen um, that one. Yeah. Um, oh, also, When They See Us, the um, the little mini series on um, Netflix, which is also Ava DuVernay mm -hmm. about the Central Park Five. Yeah. So hard recommend. Here, yeah, huh? hard recommend. Um, there's also a. Um, uh, thing also if you are on the uh criterion channel they put up a whole thing for pioneers of african-american cinema right. yeah. that goes way back to like the 1920s with stuff um and again i mean it's it's nice because all these things are on here again some of them are harder especially some of the older ones and stuff like that because this is even pre-civil rights era uh, seeing some stuff, but especially a lot of stuff by uh, Spencer Williams and uh, Richard Kahn um, that really went on to influence so much stuff, especially with guys like um, just like modern filmmakers today, like the Barry Jenkins and the Ava DuVernay's and uh, people who we have today wouldn't be here without Coogler. the Googlers. Yeah. Yeah, don't make fun of me for putting Black Panther on my list on Letterboxd. <laughs> hey. I put it on there because it's Ryan Coogler, you know. I know it's a fucking Marvel I don't movie, care. Black Panther's a great movie. I don't I don't <laughs> care. Come at me. I was trying to leave out like any movies about black Americans that were by white people, like by white directors. Mm -hmm. So I know that, for example, like Steven Spielberg's The Color Purple is like regarded as a as a canon black cinema movie. But movies like that, I, I did not include in my list. Turns out Killmonger might have been right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's my take. Honor. <gasps> <laughs> I, yeah, um, I mean, Drew, so do you have any thoughts about the race relations in like the Star Wars universe or anything like that, Drew? Or uh, what do you um, um Lando? Yeah. yeah, uh a freaking uh race. Uh yeah, the Kessel Run takes <laughs> a, a billion uh quanto seconds. Uh I don't fucking I don't know. I don't care about. if you're black, white, or purple. <laughs> anyway, so um <laughs> We like to cover a lot of different things on this podcast, uh, including music. So uh, I just have a bunch of really quick hits that I don't have uh, drawn out thoughts on yet, but I just like hard recommends for me music wise. Um, Moses Sumney's new album, Gray, extremely good stuff. Um, almost almost scratches like a TV on the radio type of itch, but like a lot better in every single way because I wasn't a huge fan of them. Uh, Yves Tumor, Yves Tumor. It's one of those names you always just kind of see on like Pitchfork or whatever. And, you know, you're like, yeah, you know, I could listen to that. Ives uh, I, Ives is how you say the first part. I'm confident about that. I just, Tumor, if it's a stage name, then, you know, congrats. Um, <laughs> so that album is called Heaven, Heaven to a Tortured Mind. Uh, way more heady, more experimental stuff, but uh, still uh, very good. Uh, one that I was very excited about and didn't really disappoint was Freddie Gibbs did a collabo album with producer The Alchemist, and it's called Alfredo. Uh, one of my favorite album covers I've ever seen. Uh, it's someone with the you know the Godfather fa uh, father style like uh, puppet strings, and then it's just holding like a plate of spaghetti. Very good. Um, and it, yeah, it's, it's a really a good pie. album. For Obviously, uh, Freddie Gibbs has done two different collab albums with Mad Lib. Uh, last year, he had Bandana, and then before that was Pinata. Both of those albums are better than this, in my opinion, because Mad Lib is one of the better producers that we currently have. And The Alchemist, uh, different vibe, but it's similar enough that if you like either of those albums, you're going to like this one. And of course, if you like Freddie, you're going to like it, because Freddie Gibbs just uh, spits 
on top of basically anything. Like you can give him any track, and he he does a really relatively similar deal. On yeah, it. I've I, from what I've heard of this album, it is fire. It's very I strong. I haven't listened to the whole thing. It's only ten tracks, but I I've listened to a few of these in, in passing, and it's so good. Yeah, it's a really strong one. Well, one of my favorites from the year so far. And then uh, Proto Martyr had, they're a, a post rock band out of Detroit that I've been getting very into lately. Uh, just their albums from like a few years ago. They had uh, a new album announced to come out, I believe, uh, like very, very soon. And it ended up being delayed because of COVID, along with their subsequent tour surrounding the album. So that's disappointing, but they did release an EP called Michigan Hammers. Uh, that contains three songs from the album, including uh, their uh, lead single off of the album, which has a very uh, funny title that I don't want to get wrong. And I'm plagued by doubt. So I went ahead and looked it up. It's called Processed by the yeah. Boys. I really like that song name. Uh, I love this band in general. They're very... Uh, Post-rock can be a bit of like a, a difficult term. Like, a, a you know, it, it's... Genres in general, especially in music, are very fluid, but uh, they do define what post-rock sounds like to me because uh, it's it's a little atonal, a little arrhythmic, but generally uh, is not going to uh, alienate the listener as much as a lot of uh, post-X genres would. Uh, so I'm a big fan of Proto Martyr. Excited for the new album whenever it does come out. I think it might be next month in July of 2020. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't uh, even realize that they had a new album out. Uh, you're the one who got me into Proto Martyr, mostly with the song "A Private Understanding" off of their 2017 album. It's just an incredible yeah. song. I mean, the album itself that's is really one of my good. favorite songs of like the last uh, few years, and also the video for it is uh, matches it perfectly because it's very disconcerting and like it's tr difficult to watch, and you can't really figure out why because it's not like anything awful is happening. Uh, which a lot of their music makes me feel that way. And I like to feel that way because I'm twisted. <laughs> um, but yeah, those are, those are just my quick recos uh, for the week. And then, of course, the, the big reco of, of them all is RTJ4. RTJ. Before, we, we, before we get into RTJ, about. though, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Perfume Genius and Charlie XCX, who just put out uh, two, or they each put out an album recently. And I've been really enjoying him. Charlie XCX's album is very... Um, I don't know if you guys listened to her album that came out last year, Charlie. Um, it's it's really interesting because it's when I listen to it, it feels like it's music that is made like 20 years into the future. <laughs> it, it's like so electronic, uh, but still really poppy. Um, and still has like sort of like a, a a a sound that you would hear in a nightclub or a um, you know a a, a bar. Um, that's uh, that's me when I listen to 100 Gex, which <laughs> yeah. I do. I which I do just about. We'll, every we'll day have to save point, a yeah, 100 Gex recommendation for another day. We'll clear out the pod for it. It is it is a, a little like that. She does add a little bit more of. Um, a kind of glossiness to it. I kind of yeah, and more... just yeah, general accessibility. She's yeah. not trying to yeah, alienate people on purpose in the way that hundred gecks are. Yeah, it's it's not abrasive. Um, I I don't I don't I didn't really get into her album last year. Uh, Fantano named it his album of the year, um, and I I try to get into it. There's some good stuff on there, but overall, it just it seemed a little too from the future. <laughs> it was like uh, I'll probably like this in like 2035 if music is is even remotely close to this. But uh, the new one is called How I'm Feeling Now, and she recorded it entirely in quarantine, basically by herself. I mean, I'm sure she had help. Uh, from mixers and engineers and other people, but it's 11 tracks. It feels very stripped down, very raw. It still has like that electronic sort of punchiness to it, um, but it it is less polished in a way that I really like. Um, and the glossiness comes through a little bit more. The poppiness comes through a little bit more. So I really recommend it. It's only 37 minutes, 11 tracks. Um, some songs that I like are Claws, 
um, and The Closer, which is called Visions. Um, so give it a listen. I'm really digging it. And the Perfume Genius album um, is really if you're in the mood for something that's kind of the opposite of of this Charlie album. If you're in the mood for something that's very mellow, very soft, uh, very sort of easygoing, it's um, it's a good album. I'm not I'm not super into it right now, but I did put it on the other day, being in the mood for something a little bit more mellow, and it really fit that vibe. It really fit like that sort of smooth, sort of laid back sort of vibe. Um, it's called Set My Heart on Fire Immediately, which is a very odd album title. Um, but Perfume Genius is a very odd man. Um, I guess it's a and group. also very good at music. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I mean, it's a dude. Yeah. It's a it's a person. I don't want to say dude, but um, queer icon. So, so RTJ4. Uh, is out one and then two early two uh is that it's very good yeah it was supposed to drop uh at the end of this week so i think it dropped like a full week like a week and a half it dropped on a tuesday because it was just one of those things i mean you just like posted like rtj4 is out and it was like a scramble like wait what this is out now i didn't yeah but i mean they i said boom in the group uh, it was one of those things where i mean Talk about an album coming out at the right time. My God, like this is kind of the album to listen to right now, especially with all the angst really feeling in society. Yes. Run the Jewels is it's angry. Run the Jewels is always like an angry band, but this is I mean, this is I already like I love this album uh, wholeheartedly. This is easily one of my favorite albums of the year. I think that this is already oh, yeah. it's Top I already five. love it more than RTJ three, um, even after giving it. Um, I probably listened to it like about 10 times because it's a very breezy listen through at uh, 39 minutes. But I some of the production on here is so it, it takes me back to RTJ2 where it's so punchy and catchy, but at the same time, if you listen to it, especially with nice headphones, it is so deeply experimental. There's some tracks on here that where the experimentation is like closer to a death grip song than it is to just standard rap music with how intricate some of the beats are and all the just the walls of sound that you are getting hit with here. Yeah, and that's the avenue that LP has been in for his entire career, actually. Like, he came up as a really underground uh, industrial influence, like, hip-hop producer. And not even just hip-hop. He just made general uh, noisy music. Um, and, yeah, this album is, I think, my second favorite of Run the Jewels. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, it's early to say that, of course, but they've been on a very tremendous four-album run. Uh, One of the best four-albums runs um, in, like, the history of hip-hop. Like... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's extremely uh, impressive what they've accomplished, and uh, to put out this album early was an incredibly savvy move. Yeah, uh, to sort of uh, capture the moment, and not in necessarily just like an opportunistic way, but in a way of this music is for this moment. It needs to be out like right now. It can't be like a week later. Uh, what hopefully the moment will still be. Uh, occurring a week later but they were like this needs to be out there on the streets yeah clearly they they read the room and they were like well there's no reason to not drop it early it's done what are we waiting for just for a date that we had circled on the calendar it's the album's been done we're not working on it till the last minute so let the people have it and they did the same thing with rtj3 they dropped it on christmas 2016 And it wasn't supposed to come out until like early January of 2017. So it's it was the same same sort of deal, except obviously now four is in the middle of this whole uh, Black Lives Matter movement that we're in right now. I I don't know if I like it more than three yet, Um, but I, I do think it is better than one. Even though one does have like some bangers on it. I mean, every fucking one of their albums has bangers on it. But um, I I think as of this recording, I do prefer RTJ3 a little bit more. Um, but 
this I, I love this album too. I love the the song Walking in the Snow. I it that one has the verse from Killer Mike that just feels like it was recorded two weeks ago or a week ago. That's literally talking about like how he can't breathe. Yeah, I have you know I have the lyric the... up right now. It's every day on the evening news they feed you fear for free. And you're so numb, you watch the cops choke out a man like me until my voice goes from a shriek to whisper, I can't breathe. And then the next line is even more like pertinent to right now it says uh you sit there in your house and couch and watch it on tv the most you give is a twitter rant and call it a tragedy but truly the travesty you've been robbed of your empathy replaced it with apathy like that is that is even like more almost more so just based on the reactions from people coming out and feeling like they have to say something people that you know it's not even necessarily genuine based on their past and everything that has really come out given all these protests. And and LP came out on Twitter and said that most of this was recorded last year. Like in terms of the, the lyrics, you know, that's that's how in tune they are with what our country is going through. Oh, yeah. Like the, Killer the Mike issues. has been on this shit for decades. Yeah. You know, he's been talking about it since the beginning of time, it seems like, because nothing has changed at all. Um the feature list on this album is really, really great to me, uh, specifically because of the way that they paired people in the back half of the album. One song with Zach De La Roca and Pharrell is is just fucking incredible. It's called Just with a dollar sign. Great song. So uh, good. Yeah, that's just and that's just one of, I think, the coolest feature lists that you could ever have for a track. And then they have pulling the pin with Mavis Staples and Josh <laughs> yeah. Homme. Yeah, of what, what a funny combo. It's it's there a, a lot of their whole deer deal is uh, sort of putting different uh, ideas together and just clashing them and letting them kind of sort it out. And it always works even when it shouldn't. And both of those uh, pairings have incredibly different styles and uh, they end up working out swimmingly. Yeah. Um, the final track is a banger as well. It has that saxophone solo that just sort of takes over the back half. Cause it's almost a seven minute song. Um, and it just is this flurry of chaos that never unravels. Um, it's still just like very tight, you know, LP, he's just a fucking master. He, he doesn't falter. I, I think that, um, although this might not be my favorite beats because I do think that RTJ two, he was just on another stratosphere with his production and even on three, like he does some great stuff. This is certainly like his most experimental, like he's trying some crazy shit here. Um, and yeah, with the, and I, uh, go ahead. Uh, th- thank you. Um, I was just going to say, I didn't even mention what my favorite run the jewels album is because you guys already know what it is, but yeah, mine is run the jewels too as well. And we re-listened to it the other day because I got some nice new speakers with a subwoofer and it just absolutely like the, the four song run that it starts on is like one of my favorite runs in Mm -hmm. any album ever. Top 10, probably just, just yeah, I mean, RTJ two is the, we're all in agreement here on this podcast about it, but it was, it was in my top 10. Yeah, The more and more I listen, I'm like, why, why wasn't this in my top 10 of the decade? It really belonged there. It's Um, okay. I, I gave it love. So it was, uh, so another few songs on RTJ four that I really love. I love how hard the opening track goes like you were just hit with the last beats right away that's what i was talking about with that death grip sound that like it reminded me of the death grips album that came out a couple years ago uh where it is do you think that's that's lp on the drums i think it's a drum track i think it's just like a he probably sampled it yeah or just because it's a great it's the drums sound fucking fantastic yeah they do i mean and Another thing that because they released, I believe that they released Yankee and the Brave, the first song and Ooh La La were the two singles before this album came out, if I'm correct. I know Ooh La La was. Um, And whenever Ooh La La came out, I wasn't crazy about the song. Um, I love the music video, really cool music video. But now hearing it in the context of the album, it really adds so much. It's similar to the same way that I felt about Borderline and then hearing that on the Tame Impala album, where now I hear that and now I'm like, oh, well, I can't skip this song. Like, I really, really love this song. Um, Holy Clamafuck. 
I re- I love how like progressive almost that song is. There's like really two parts to that one song, two or three parts, and it just keeps changing and keeping you on your toes. I think that that's a theme throughout this whole album is that LP and Killer Mike are trying to keep you on your toes. You talked about whether or not this might not be your favorite LP production, but I do think this is the best LP has ever wrapped on an album. I think the LP has just gone, gotten better and better with every album, even as much as I love RTJ two and it's perfect. Killer Mike does just kind of dominate. He, yeah. He um, takes over. And then RTJ three yeah. LP kind of had a few more moments to shine. I think that this is like, they're pretty much dead even on this album because some of my favorite verses yeah. are from both of them. Like they probably even out to being about the same. Um, Mike's delivery is always going to yeah. be in a different universe though, because it's just one of the, you know, it's, it perfectly fits the music in a way that, uh, you LP kind of couldn't, but he, yeah, like uh, mechanical ability wise, he's improved a good amount and he already was like pretty good when they started. Uh, so that's, it's been nice to hear that. I like this better than RTJ three because that album to me almost was starting to feel just a tiny bit tired. Uh, and this album has had life breathed into it. First of all, by the fact that the lyrics uh, got uh a little darker and they got a little more uh personal and introspective uh this even might they, you be know, their best album lyrically mm-hmm. period yeah they've always had like a song or two that go there but now even in uh you know even in the the more upbeat songs it's still going there a good amount of the time and uh of course the moment has just you know am- amplified every point made on the album uh yeah. it's it's yeah it's really like probably a nine it's just yep. a great album um you did bring up Walking in the Snow, uh, that song. Just, I mean, talk about like just a, a chorus that just like hits you so hard is look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar. Like I just I've been singing that like nonstop just going around everywhere just because it's I mean, that is like that song in um uh The Ground Below, which I'm surprised that The Ground Below wasn't a single because it is like it's a little bit more stripped back. Uh as far as this album goes, it has like a true hook. Um, the God never meant much to me. Love never meant much to me. Mm-hmm. Um, just really, really good catchy hook. And I, I like as I, I really do love this album. Like, I think this is really vying for my favorite album of the year so far. Yeah, really? Shit. I mean, this year, I've listened to this album like 10 plus year, times, it, though. I like keep this on a loop in my house for the last two weeks that it has been out. It's definitely in my top three at this moment. Yeah, I have I actually have it at number three right now. Um, so it'll it'll probably end up in my top 10. We'll see how the, the rest of the year shakes up. Um, to me, the, the Tame Impala record is just like it's uncontested. It's it's gonna be really tough to dethrone that one. I thought this one would have, but I don't know. Maybe if I maybe if I do what you do and, and just have it on on a loop, it might get in there. But yeah, I mean, just just yeah, listen to it more. It's only been out for less than a week. Two yeah, yeah a week. week and a yeah, half like, or so. so. But we I got time. We got I, time. I also I also just love RTJ two and three so much that. It's like the bar is so high that I'm kind of like judging this one a little bit. You really were higher on RTJ3 than the rest of us, because I like I really like RTJ3. There's some incredible songs on there, but I thought RTJ3 had like a couple of skippable tracks. Yeah, I, I remember I think I remember having it at number one for that year. Um, I may have retconned it, though, because of blonde also being out that year. Um, if not, I'm retconning it now. Nope. Nope. You have to Whoa. say that. Okay. Nope. Now is, nope. this is not Can't the retcon episode. Are you fucking, <laughs> there's rules to this thing. It's, um, it's important. All right. Well, I think we can wrap it up there, boys. Check out RTJ four. Um, go ahead and donate to the places that killer Mike and LP are uh, encouraging listeners of the album to donate. They have all those places up on their website and we will go ahead and copy and paste the links from last week's 
uh, show on Do the Right Thing in this episode as well. So you can support um, the Black Lives Movement in all sorts of different ways from bailout funds to um, all sorts of other funds and charities that need um, all the help that they can get. So uh, stick around. We got Inside Man, um, if you haven't listened to that already, and The Five Bloods, uh, another a new Spike Lee joint uh, coming to Netflix this week. And until then, just um, follow us on Letterboxd and Twitter. And we hope that you have a great week and weekend and life. Stay safe, stay healthy. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. All cops are bastards.